0: All right, guys. Good morning. Glad to see you. Felt like we should do something with this backdrop. So uh, everyone has a red note. will so just check under your, t- your uh, chair. I'm just kidding. There's not one there. However, I am curious. Do we have any unicyclists in the house? Anybody ride a unicycle or would like to try to ride a unicycle? I do have a prize, a fabulous prize for anyone who would like to try to ride a unicycle this morning. Brandy, did I see that hand? Pogo stick. It's the same thing. It's just with wheels. You want to try it? All right, Brandon. Everybody give it up for Brandon here this morning. All right. I have no, by the way, I also have no idea if that thing is like safety wise is any good, but all right, here we go. I don't know if we have a drum roll back there, but Brandon, that works. I think that's exactly how you do it. Oh, the tire's flat. That's what it is. It's just that the tire's flat, guys. All right, hey everybody, give it up for Brandon. Brandon, I do have something for you. So this is a great book called The Disciple Making Parent by Chat Bettis. So this is for you, my friend. And give that to you. As well as this really awesome action figure I found at the tree fort this morning when I walked in. So there you go, my friend. Have a seat. Have a seat. Thank you, Brandon. Awesome. Well, hey guys, good morning. Welcome to Dad You. Uh, I am so, so thankful and encouraged that you are here this morning giving up an early morning to uh, come and be with us today. My name is Wes Butler. I'm the director of family ministry here at the Dallas campus. And so I love uh, bringing dad you back. I've missed it these last few months as we've been kind of on a break. And uh, and so it's always good to be back as you come in uh, today. First of all, a few just kind of housekeeping things. If you do not have a name tag on, then that means that I don't know that you're here. And I want to know that you're here so that I can send you some resources and stuff that we will email out to you later today. So if you did not check in and get a name tag if you'll just head back to the kiosks back there and do that for me. That would be awesome. And then if you would, take your, uh, the other kind of secondary name tag and slap it on that roster that's on your table. That'll give your table leaders the opportunity to know that you're here as well. They want to follow up with you, be available to you. So if you are sitting at a table right now by yourself, which I don't think anybody is, and there's not someone wearing one of these lanyards, then please find somebody wearing one of these lanyards and join that table. These guys are our table leaders. They are amazing guys that you're going to want to pick their brains learn from them, and, uh, and so I hope that you will find that table and uh, jump in with these guys. Chris is sitting up here all by himself. If you have elementary age kids, Chris would love for you to come sit at his table. I may just have you steal somebody from some other tables at some point, but uh, he's really a great guy, guys. Uh, yeah, so... Um, Hey, uh, as we get started with Dad U, let me tell you a little bit about where we're heading, and then I'm going to pray for us and introduce our speaker, and we'll dive right in. Um, but uh, what we uh, have always said here at Dad U is that we believe that we, as parents, as dads, have a primary role that has been given to us by God. That primary role for all of us is that of a disciple maker. We are all making disciples. You're going to make disciples whether you like it or not. It's going to happen. Your kids are gonna follow you. They're gonna love the things you love. They're gonna hate the things you hate until they turn 13 and then they'll flip that, okay? Uh, at least that's been my experience, no. Uh, but uh, that, that's true. We are, we are making disciples whether we want to or not. And so the the question then becomes, okay, well then what is the goal of our discipleship? Well, the goal of our discipleship is not necessarily disciples though we hope that that is a natural outworking of our discipleship, but our goal is our own faithfulness. You see, each one of our kids is going to give their own account before the Lord of their life. And so what they do with our discipleship is really up to our kids and up to the sovereignty of the Lord, but what we do as men is uh, is really the account that we will give before the Lord. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, am I being faithful today with this opportunity that I've been given to disciple my kids? Am I being a faithful disciple? disciple maker within my home. And so we have given you kind of four words that, uh, that help us to kind of think through what does faithfulness look like then for a disciple maker? And it's just this. It is model, train, pray, trust. We want to model our faith before our kids. We want to train them in the truth of God's word and his spirit uh, and surrounded by his people. We want to pray in faith that God will do something in our kids' hearts that we cannot do. No amount of effort on our part will do And then finally, we want to trust the Lord with the results and not live in the fear and anxiety that uh, the rest of the world lives in, but live in the fear of the Lord and in so doing, live in the freedom of that. And so this fall, what we're going to do is we're going to take time to go through each one of those four things and just kind of do a deeper dive on model train, pray, and trust. And so this morning we're going to talk about modeling your faith. What does it look like to model your faith? And I'm so thankful uh, to have my friend Mickey Frederick is going to be leading us this morning. If you have not met Mickey uh, before, Mickey is, uh, uh, he is married to his wife, Jessica. They've been married for 14 years. They have four amazing kiddos. Joe, if you want to throw up their picture right here, four uh, awesome kids. So Mila is 14, Bay is nine, Knox is seven and Goldie is three. They have led here for a long time. I've uh, been leading uh, a lot of reengaged groups back in the day and then uh, a foundation group. And then Mickey just recently took uh, kind of some responsibility here at our Dallas campus to be a campus shepherd for us here. And, uh, and so he is leading alongside of uh, our uh, kind of senior leadership here at the Dallas campus. And I could not be more thankful. Uh, for him. And so I'm excited for you to get to hear from him, him hear his story, and uh, and to be encouraged by it. And so at your table, you've got little note cards. You can take notes, jot down things that he's going to say. Uh, and so Mickey will share with us for a little bit. And then we're going to just spend some time with a panel up here on stage talking through... Um, what that practically looks like in our family, some of the things that he's gonna share, and uh, and then we'll give you some time just to interact at your tables. So again, if you're just now coming in, find a table with one of the guys with a lanyard at it and join them, and uh, And let me pray for us and pray for Mickey as he comes up to lead us this morning. So, uh, Father, we are so thankful for uh, your love, for your presence in our lives. God, we're thankful that um, you care uh, about our families, and Lord, I thank you that you have called us to this Great responsibility of being uh, dads. Lord, what a privilege that is. And yet, uh, if we're all real honest, it, it is intimidating at times, if not all the time. And Lord, we need you. And so, Lord, I pray for these men who are here. I pray for those who, uh, who know you and have a deep, abiding walk with you, Father, that they would be reminded of your presence this morning, that they would be refreshed through your word today and through the testimony of the saints. And so, Lord, I pray that you would do that. And for those that maybe are, are trying to figure out, hey, is this really the way that I should go? Lord, I pray that this, this morning they would be reminded and, and see the truth of your word and to see uh, the fruit that is born out of lives of, of faithfulness. And so, Lord, we want to be faithful models for our children. So, Lord, will you use this morning to accomplish that purpose, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, will you guys welcome Mickey for me this morning? Thanks, Wes.
1: <clears throat> Thanks, all you men, for getting up this early and coming here as we kick off the fall uh, Dad, you, I'm excited to be here and appreciate this opportunity. Well, this here, for anyone who doesn't know, is chewing tobacco. And uh, don't see it around as much as you might used to have in the past, but this stuff played an important role in my childhood. You see, my grandfather dipped chewing tobacco, and not just chewing tobacco, it was red man gold. This It's what a man smelled like growing up. Uh, My dad dipped Copenhagen. My my great-grandfather even smoked Prince Albert and and chewed Redman as well. My grandfather, I still remember, carried it around in his front pocket or his back pocket. Because if you put it in your back pocket, it it grinds it together and it brings out all the flavors. My great-grandfather carried it around in the front pocket of his overalls. And this was a very important force to me growing up because whenever I was watching my grandfather and my great-grandfather specifically, I was constantly watching them trying to figure out what made them be a man, what was important to them. And my grandfather, my family came from the panhandle of Texas and uh, my grandfather was a butcher, he was a farmer, did a little bit of ranching, uh, did a lot of things with his hands and I would go out and stay with them, we'd get up early, we'd have strong coffee and then you would take a chew. And there's just a smell of a man after he has taken a chew that doesn't leave for a while. And the residual smell from that and maybe the occasional cigar just kind of left this earthiness, this sweetness, uh, this spiciness that was around him. And I can still remember that to this day, even though that happened 30, 35 years ago. And that was important for me as I progressed up into junior high and high school. And I was now working on on different farms and ranches. And whenever I was going to go do things that men did, I started carrying around my tobacco as well. Getting ready to go cut some hay or work some cattle, whatever it was. Going to go hunting and fishing. Real men chewed tobacco. And to me, I learned early on that it's okay if men have few small bad habits as long as they're good people. And we really don't have all those dangerous consequences that everybody says. We can kind of choose our own way and do the things that men do because that's what men do. Uh, And so I went into about 10 years of of chewing tobacco and dipping Copenhagen uh, religiously that affected me during that time. And it hopefully doesn't affect me as I go through the rest of my life, but had definite health consequences on myself. And tragically, my, my grandfather died whenever I was about 12 from a heart attack from a combination of tobacco and nicotine and everything that comes with it, and just a high cholesterol, high fat diet, and all that stuff. Uh, but it definitely had an effect on his life as well and changed our fam- family dynamics forever. But the reason that I start with that is because it highlights how people are watching us, our kids are watching us, and we're passing on things every day, whether we want to or not. And we don't always get to choose. What our kids are seeing in our lives and the things that they're going to pick up on and carry with them as they go through their lives. Now, we all know we play a significant role in other, other people's lives, and our kids' lives. That's why we're here. There's a lot of other things that we could be doing at 6.30 in the morning besides sitting here together and, and listening to somebody talk. Uh, but lives are depending on us. There are little feet, little hands, little hearts, but big eyes that are watching us as we go through our days. And so we're here to affirm that how we live matters, and we want to take some ground in that area and be very careful what we model for our kids. So as Wes said, this month we're talking about how we model our faith for our kids. And as we think about how we model our faith, we have to start with what is it that we love the most? And like we do whenever we're thinking about any of the important things in life, the place to go first is To the Bible. And so we're going to start towards the beginning of the Bible at a place where God was talking to his people and telling them how best to be his people and what was most important for them. And it's in Deuteronomy 6. God came to his people and he said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And then he goes on to say some other excellent words, and we'll talk more about what God said there in Deuteronomy 6 uh, later on in this series this fall. But we'll stop there for this morning. God clearly, explicitly said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And that ties into what we're talking about today, because our faith, rooted in an all-consuming love for God, fleshed out in a day-to-day life, day-to-day living in front of our kids, is the primary vehicle for the discipleship of our kids. And that's why we've titled today's message or the, today's session, the, the toughest thing about being a father is how we model our faith and our lives for our kids. Because whenever it comes down to it, we cannot pass on what we don't possess. Now, in 2 Timothy 1.5, we see Paul now in the New Testament talking about Timothy's faith. He's talking to a young disciple that Paul, uh, who was an early leader in in the Christian church, Paul's talking to Timothy, and he said, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. And this is instructive for us as well because this is an example of a life lived according to that Deuteronomy 6 principle, and we can see it being executed throughout generation after generation and generation. And I think we can learn a lot from it. So here for just a few minutes, I'm going to walk through a few of these things. As, as we read this passage, three things that come to mind are a faith that's worth following, is attractive, it's authentic, and it's active. And we see this in the words that Paul is talking about Timothy's faith. First off, It's attractive. Whenever he thinks about Timothy, he says, I am reminded of your sincere faith. The first thing he thinks about is Timothy's faith. What qualities are attractive to you? Timothy's faith was attractive to Paul. What qualities are attractive to you? Now, whenever we're thinking about what is attractive in us towards our wife, or what is attractive in us to our kids, or even what we're looking for, For in a business partner or colleagues at work, certain things constantly come to mind. And it's, you know, we're drawn to things, to people that are strong, to men who are confident, to men who are wise, faithful, good. There's many things outside of our control our athletic ability, to a large part, our intelligence is out out of our control. Our facial features are outside of our control. But all these factors that I just mentioned are directly within our control, and especially as we pursue life in Jesus, they're directly within our control. How do we become strong? Well, something is strong or not based on what it's relying on. So where are we putting our foundation? Is our foundation built on the rock of Jesus Christ and his gospel and the life that he's enabled us to live? Or is it built on the house of cards as we try to piece together a life that looks successful in our own eyes? We read about this in Matthew 7 where Jesus is talking about the man who builds a house on the rock versus on the sand. And Todd taught about that a few weeks ago. It's a phenomenal message. Feel free to go back and grab that. We also see it in Psalms like Psalm 46 where David is saying, Lord, you are my refuge and strength. His foundation was in God. And that's how he was able to go through the crazy things in his life because David wasn't relying on his own strength. He was relying on a God who was working through David. So his strength didn't come from his own muscles or his own willpower, but in a God who had called him and was using him. Second, confidence. Man, there's so many people in the world today that are looking for confidence. And we're going to have to search for a long time if that confidence is coming from ourselves. Because true confidence only comes if we're worshiping our creator, who has the whole world in his hands, and we're interacting with this world in the way that he called us to. If we're pursuing Jesus and his plan, then we should have more confidence than anything in this whole world. Because just like gravity is always in play, God's word is always going to be true. Doesn't matter whether he said it 3,000 years ago to David or the people of old or whether he's saying it to us here this morning as we read Deuteronomy and, and 2 Timothy. We can have complete confidence as we follow after God. And then just, you know, to be wise. We know where wisdom is found. It's in the Bible. It's in the Proverbs. It's in all 66 books of the Bible. And it's always attractive when we're good. But being good doesn't mean nice. Being good means having the fruits of the Spirit. We read about in Galatians where Paul's saying, hey, if the Spirit is in you, these are going to be the things that are coming out of you. If you chew, chew chewing tobacco, you put this in you, in your mouth, chew on it, we're going to spit out tobacco juice. That's just what happens. Or you're going to get sick or at least I would, if we have the Spirit in us, we're going to have the fruits of the Spirit coming out of us of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And that is always going to be attractive for our kids. That's going to create an environment where our kids feel safe, they feel supported, they see life. And our kids are designed to notice respond to that life. They're going to be drawn to that life. Just like I was drawn whenever I thought that tobacco was the secret to manhood, that was the key ingredient that I was missing as a kid, our kids are going to see the fruits of the Spirit being lived out in your lives, in our lives, and they're going to say, that is the missing ingredient, and they're going to want to go upstream to figure out where those fruits of the Spirit are coming from, because they're going to love love the life that it creates around them. And we see this in the Bible. We see this in the life of Jesus. Whenever the disciples and and the many people that were following Jesus, they weren't following him because of some magic tractor ray that was causing them to come along, some magic spell. They were people just like us. They had indigestion. They had things going on at home. They were worried about how they were going to pay the bills. But so many men put everything aside to follow Jesus, and it was because of the life that they saw happening around him. And we see the same thing in Acts 2, where the early church was gathered together for the apostles' teaching and the prayers and the breaking of bread and the fellowship. They were together because they saw the mighty acts of God going on in their body and in all of the changed lives of the early church. And our kids are no different. They're going to be drawn to the working of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's going to be attractive. Now, we have to make sure that we don't quench that desire in our kids. Our words and our attitudes matter. So we need to be careful on on the negative side on how we talk about how we react to things. So it's important for us to think about how we talk about the pastor after service. Not that he has to be infallible or anything like that, but what's the aroma of our conversation whenever we leave church on a weekend? What's the aroma that our kids get whenever... We come home from community group. Oh, we always just frustrated or griping about so-and-so that can't get over this or so-and-so that keeps picking their fingernails or burping or whatever it is that we're talking about. What are we modeling for our kids? Uh, How do we talk about other believers? How do we talk about people struggling with moral failures in their life? Do we just crucify them and say, man, if they would just get right, then we wouldn't have these problems? Our words and our attitudes matter. And is the fruit that we're sharing as an outpouring of our lives attractive to our kids? Now, second, Paul said that he was reminded about Timothy's sincere faith. And another word for sincere is authentic. And uh, at the first level, being authentic means walking the walk that we profess. Doing what we say we're going to do. It starts with a few of our community core values, which is, devote daily, and and then live authentically. Is what we say important, really important to us? And the problem is, is that it is easy to fake. We all know the things to do. We all know the things to say, the things not to say. We can look around most of the other people around us in the world today and say, man, I may be only running a 12-minute mile, but that person over there, they're running a 20-minute mile. I'm not doing all the crazy things they are. So I'm really a pretty good person. And and I go to Watermark a few times, and I learn some of these catchphrases, and I'm kind of known as a good guy around work because I don't do all the things that all the crazy guys do. But we can can fake the deep authenticity that is required to truly pursue Jesus and live the life that he has for us. Uh, And the stakes are very high. Jesus taught about this whenever he was teaching his disciples towards the end of his life. In John 15, in verse 4 and 5, he says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, Jesus talks a lot about abiding. And that's not the easiest word for us to really understand everything that it means in today's day and age. So, what does it mean? And this is where it's helpful that Jesus talks in these analogies because his analogy of a vine really helps us to understand what abiding is. It comes back to the purpose of roots. What do roots do? Roots go down into the earth and they grab nutrients. They grab everything a plant needs to survive besides oxygen and sunlight, I guess, but they're grabbing nutrients, they're grabbing water, and they're bringing it up into the plant so the plant can be green, alive, and can grow. And Jesus says, hey, if you're I'm, I'm the vine, you're the branch. If, if your branch is rooted in me, you're going to get true life, and you're going to bear fruit. And it turns into the fruit of the spirit we were just talking about. But if your branch is not rooted in me, then you're not going to have life. It's just as clear as that. And so where we put our roots, where we're seeking life, matters tremendously. Now what I saw growing up was that, man, this is a great place to put roots. If you need strength, if you need encouragement, if things suck, if it's a good day, like go back, go back to the well of tobacco because it'll make you feel like a man. It'll provide a little bit of a buzz, and it's a good place to put roots as we're looking to be a man. But that, that was false. What is true is if we put our roots in Jesus, he fulfills everything that I was just talking about. The, uh, the confidence, the strength, the goodness that comes out of us as, as we are rooted in the Spirit. That brings life into our family and life into the lives of our kids. So what we choose every day demonstrates where we think life is. So as we think about our lives, do we, do we live to love God and love others? Or are we really living for the next business deal? Do we find our worth from our identity in Christ or worth from our job title? Are we working harder to learn God's word or to lower our golf handicap? And are we more passionate about telling each other about Jesus or about college football? Now, all those things on the right sides of those sentences aren't bad, but it, we can use them to find life and miss out on the true life. That Jesus has for us because as we experience life as we experience Jesus we naturally want more of Jesus our desires change we don't spend time with Jesus because we have to we spend time with Jesus because we want to and that's where the devoting daily really comes in and never underestimate the power of a firmly held belief on the life of our kids they see us getting up in the morning spending time with God's word and how we model that for them. One of the disciplines that we have in our family is we get up 6.45 every morning. All the kids meet me at the table. And while they're eating their breakfast, it doesn't matter if they're fully awake, what's going on. We're going to open up God's Word. And I'm going to share a little bit with them about what I've learned that morning from God's Word. It's only a verse or two, and it's not a spiritual moment most of the time. But we're just going to lay out, hey, here's a verse or two. Here's what it meant to me. What does it mean for you? What are we going to pray? What can we pray about for you as you go through your day? And each of the kids have to contribute at least something. Um, but that's borne a ton of fruit. And our family, just as our kids know that that's important to us, and then as things happen later on in the the day, there's so many opportunities to go back to what we learn in God's word as we're trying to explain something to our kids or, or demonstrate to them what's important. Now, you don't have to go about this on your own. There's a ton of opportunities around here to help you as you, if you're struggling or new to the faith or just want to learn how to follow Jesus better, there's a lot of opportunities to learn and to do it with other men, many of whom are sitting around you. We have equipping classes like Follow Jesus, uh, the formations of Christian discipleship. What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does spiritual maturity look like? That's taking off here in a week or two. We have other stuff, an equipped disciple and then some, of course, a lot of opportunities to take growth in this area. Uh, But it just comes down to we cannot pass on what we don't possess. And then the other side of being authentic is we have to be authentic about our failures. It's important for us to model for our kids. They don't have a perfect dad, but they have a forgiven dad, which means we have the freedom to ask forgiveness again today. And not only do we have that freedom, we have that responsibility to model, man, I missed it here. I responded out of anger, and what you did was wrong, but how I responded was wrong as well. So please forgive me and pray for me that I can respond out of patience and kindness, that you see the fruits of the Spirit, a new life through Jesus in me, and let's walk forward in the life that Jesus has for us. And and now we can talk about consequences or or whatever else comes next. But it's important for us to to model that authenticity. And finally, a faith worth following is active, Paul said, hey, I see the faith of your grandmother and your mother dwelt in you. Something that's dwelling is alive, it's growing. And Paul saw that in the life of Timothy. James says in James 1.22, he says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. And that's the rub. The reason James had to say that is because it's easy to deceive ourselves and say, yes, these things are important, but they're really not making a difference in our lives. Our faith has to be active. We've got to see effects of that faith in our life for us to know that it's real. If our, if our faith isn't changing everything about us, then it's probably not real. And so it's important to see how our faith is acting out in our lives. It, it acts out, we hear, about, we hear it about here, we hear about it here all the time. It shows up how we resolve conflict, it shows up how we steward our finances, how we love our neighbors, how we discipline ourselves for godliness as we prioritize prioritize our family. And so it's important for us to think about what our children know that a faith of all-consuming love for God dwells in us by how it's active in our life. It was true for Timothy. We need to make sure it's true for us. Now, we can learn a lot by Paul's description of an effect of faith in Timothy. And I also learned a lot more, specifically from my grandfather, that I didn't share at the beginning of our time together. You know, of course, he chewed tobacco And he did a lot of things, but but there's a lot more to that man other than red man gold. For one, he served in the Korean War, and his example of serving his country was one of the reasons why I went to the Air Force out of high school. I wanted to serve my country and be there whenever my country needed me. Uh, He also was kind of a mechanical whiz, an electrical whiz, stuff he had learned in the military, and he built his house with his own two hands and had all these projects, and I admired that so much. He welded, built things, and that was a large reason why I became an engineer in college because I saw the cool things he was able to work on and how he was able to build things and and, and make things better through what he was able to build. Um, He was also a firefighter and part-time EMS person. Lived in a small town in the Panhandle, so people had to do everything. But whenever I stayed with them, I got to go fight brush fires and go on ambulance runs with them. And I saw the priority of serving others and loving others with our lives and not just sitting in front of the TV every night thinking about ourselves. And most importantly, he was the devoted man of God. He was a deacon at his church, but a committed man of God all of his adult life. And what happened is I was growing up, I had, had... dads along the way. I've always had the same mom, but junior high school was a tumultuous time for me, and I really went off the reservation towards the end of high school and through the first part of college. And during that time, I distanced myself from all the people that were the good examples the people that are going to tell me truth. And that wedge of sin was a big wedge between me and God because I left it there. But what was there constantly at night, whenever I'd be laying in bed, drunk or whatever, was the example of my grandfather. And I knew That as he measured a man, I wasn't measuring up. Because I had the example of a godly man who lived his entire life unashamedly, unapologetically for Jesus Christ. And so I had the example of my grandfather saying, man, I hope to see you again, but. Things aren't looking good right now. This is not the life you knew you know would bless me. He died whenever I was 12, so he died way before that time, but his example was modeling for me for decades after he was gone. And so how we live matters. We can't pass on what we don't possess, but we will pass on something. Please pray with me. Lord, I just thank you for the example of Timothy. For me personally, for the example of my grandfather, Glenn, and just for the example of so many others that we have in life, just to help show us a way of faithful service, faithful pursuit of you. And I think most importantly, thank you for the example of Jesus, Lord, who was 100% attractive, 100% authentic, and 100% active. Lord, help us as we talk about these truths. Help us to go deep. Help us to hear what you would have to say to us through your spirit. And just thank you for this time together with these men and this time together with you. Amen.
0: Awesome, Mickey. Thank you, buddy. Hey, we're gonna... Um, uh, I'm gonna slide this over real quick. Yeah, absolutely. We're gonna shift to just kind of a time for us just to kind of talk through uh, those things that Mickey shared. And, uh, and so what you heard him talking about is just this idea of modeling a faith that is, uh, that is attractive, that is authentic and active. And so I wanted to introduce you to a couple of other guys alongside of Mickey who uh, encourage me on a regular basis just in their life and faith and uh, let you kind of hear from them and learn from them before we give you some time at your tables. So I'll um, grab my notes here. So this is uh, Chris Shelton down here and uh, his lovely family up there. So there is uh, Rachel, his wife of 14 years. Is that right? Or 18. something where,
2: like that. Where yeah. are we? Uh, yeah,
0: 14. Yeah, 14. Good. Uh, two kids, so Camp and Call, who are 14 months apart, I think. Mm-hmm. So 14 is a, a good number for you, you brother. Uh, and, uh, and so they've been around Watermark since 2005, have served in a lot of different areas, college ministry, young adult ministry. Uh, Rachel was on staff here for a while. Uh, and then uh, most recently, Chris is serving as one of our community shepherds here and uh, has been a really good friend uh, and his kids are some of my favorite uh, experiences on Sunday morning. The hugs that I get from those two kiddos when they come running into the doors uh, blesses me every time. So, uh, And then my buddy Kevin Mines is here. So Kevin and Kelly have been married for 18 years. have three kids, Tanner, who's 15, Avery's 12, and Luke is 7. Been around Watermark for since 2009. Many of you have probably heard Kevin and Kelly's story if you've been in Reengage or Merge or one of those ministries. You've heard uh, their story, just of God's redemption and work in His life, and so uh, he is a good friend to me, and and uh, so thankful that these guys are up here. Uh, so we heard Mickey a little bit of your story uh, of just kind of your growing up, and I'd love just to Chris maybe toss it to you and talk a little bit about. The model that was set before you, and how that model has um, influenced the way that you're thinking about modeling yeah. for your kids.
2: Well, first I want to say, I, like, I want like a, like a picture of your grandfather to like hang over my mantle. That's like <laughs> awesome. That's like John Wayne meets Jesus is what I just
0: <laughs> heard right
2: there. And so, man, that's awesome. Yeah, I man, I, I was lucky enough, grew up in a, uh, man, a godly home. Uh, my dad just celebrated 50 years in the ministry. Uh, he's been a pastor Uh, man, since he was in his teen years. And so that's what I grew up in. Uh, Pretty awesome. We moved around a little bit just because of where the Lord took him and our family. Uh, And it was great. Uh, I look back and really, really thankful, uh, man, just for the example of God, he did not have that. Uh, He did not have a dad. His mom was an alcoholic. And so it's really cool to see the way that, man, God grabbed a hold of him at a young age and really changed the trajectory of kind of his family line. And then hopefully it's something that will continue on, you know, with myself, my kids. And, you know, if, if God grants them kids someday, hopefully we can see that, you know, model of faithfulness go on. Uh, and like we were sharing the other day, uh, I was sharing with you, Wes, um, man, as great as it was and as, as cool as it was, you know, once you get older, you start raising your own kids. You start seeing your childhood and how your parents raise you through a different lens because now I'm doing it here, you know. And it, as awesome as it was, man, I, I, I see some real like holes and gaps and, um, man, how my dad's faith played out in his parenting. Uh, and, and like a lot of, you know, traditional, you know, Baptist church, it was a, a very much, a, hey, this is what we do and kind of a rules-based, uh, again, rooted in Scripture. But sometimes there's just a, a lacking of the heart behind it. And uh, those are some of the things that I think about now with my kids. Yeah.
0: And, Chris, you specifically talked about how because of that you really uh, you wanted to make sure that the the faith that you were passing on to your kids wasn't just this kind of, Assumed or trite sure. thing. Can you talk a little bit about that with these guys?
2: Yeah, I mean, that was kind of the thing that stuck with me most, or, or the thing I thought about a lot uh, through my college years, through my 20s, 30s, uh, and once, you know, I got married and started thinking about kids was, I mean, the thing that I struggle with in my own life uh, is, man, I don't really uh, have a story. I don't have a life or memories apart from God being actively involved in my life, my family's life, and so on, and, and which is I'm, I'm super thankful for. On the flip side of that coin, you know, um, sometimes I kind of get this lie in my head that, you know, hey, man, I, I wasn't really that bad. God didn't save you from something, you know, you weren't in the gutter, drunk on drugs. And now this incredible, you know, reclamation story and, and just this passion, this love. It was just like, well, yeah, God, it's always been around. It's, and so kind of almost a flippant attitude towards that. And so I started to really think, man, I don't want my kids to have this trite, flippant view of who God is. And how do I do that, raising them in the church? I had stupid ideas about, man, I'm not going to let my kids go to Sunday school because I don't want them learning. Jesus wants to be your friend. They need to know God's awesome, you know. And, of course, that all went away really quick. Um, but that's the, kind of the thing that I wrestle with.
0: Yeah, that's good. Kevin, share a little bit about kind of the model that you had and, and how that's influenced you.
3: Yeah, so I grew up in a big, loving family and a, uh, with a loving mom and dad. But with the dad and really in a church that was more about kind of like you alluded to, box checking and rule following than it was um, a deep abiding faith. And so I kind of took that same faith into my young adult years. And that, as many of you guys can imagine and probably relate to, is that led to all sorts of destruction. And, uh, and so, man, what I want for my kids is I look at 1 Corinthians eleven one to follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And so now I'm more interested in, you know, their their heart change than behavior modification. And as much as we as dads and and parents try to modify behavior and, you know, do this, don't do this. Um, and I want their heart to change for the Lord. And so I saw glimpses of that in my mom and dad, but um, really I just, I want, I want more for my kids. Yeah, that's good.
0: Well, let, let's talk through just the, the attractive, uh, active, or I'm sorry, attractive, authentic, and active real quick. And, and start off with just that idea of having an attractive faith. Uh, Mickey, I loved what you said. I thought as you were talking about just, you know, it talks about how Jesus was not, uh, it wasn't beautiful to look at. Scriptures tell us that, you know, uh, that, that drew people to him. But his life was something that was attractive. And so, uh, Kevin and Mickey, I know you and I talked about a little bit of what it is that you guys, your kids see in your life that they're going, oh man, we, we love this. And specifically, it's kind of the the outflow of the way that you're serving and pouring in here. Can you talk either one of you guys about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, it's, we've We've lived in North Oak Cliff for about 10 years, and we'd come up and serve, at re-engage, and that's really where we fell in love with the heart of the church and, and saw what God was doing in the lives of so many people here during the week. But it was also an opportunity to talk with our kids about the sacrifices we were making, because it was a haul to come up here. It took the whole evening, and they got to play with their friends, and, and they liked that, but it was important for us too to share like, hey, here's a few of the conversations that were going on tonight. Not names, not gory details like gossip, but just, hey, there's lives that hang in the balance on what goes on here on Wednesday night. And that's why we're prioritizing it as a family. And it's because we love these people. There's other little kids coming to Watermark on Wednesday and their mom and dad are trying to figure out if they're gonna stay together or not, how they're gonna love their kids, uh, whether they are gonna work on some things that are really keeping them from loving their kids well. And so whether it's uh, that or a foundation group or, or stuff that we're doing just to, to help shepherd other people, it's, I think it's, it's been really instructive for our kids to know we're not coming to church to check the box. We're not doing it because that's what good people do. We're coming to church and serving and loving the body because uh, life is being found here. Yeah.
0: And Kevin, you talked about just kind of the fruit of that yeah. in your yeah. home and, and what that's looked like. So share that with you.
3: Yeah, guys. so Kelly and I have been involved in merge for a long time. And so we love, we have a passion for marriage after seeing what, what God has done in our own marriage. Um, and so our kids, even from a real, real young age, have seen us serving in, in merge and just loving on these couples and having them over to the house. And um, they see that we have a passion for it. We love it. Um, and so I think and I hope that and I pray that they're attracted to that, and that's your faith and action. And so, you know, we have couples over the house. We had a couple over Friday night that sat at our table years ago, and they still come over occasionally, but our kids have gotten to know them, and now they're having kids, and so our kids are friends. And so they see uh, it's not just, like you said, the, the box checking, rule following, man, it's your life, and it trickles down and, and affects every part of your life. And so, again, I hope and pray that that is attractive to them.
0: Yeah, I hope what you guys hear in both of those is just the, that that uh, you know your kids are seeing you guys uh, active in your faith, but it's something they enjoy, like they want to be here on Wednesday night, not just because training ground is awesome and they have a lot of fun, but because they know that what mom and dad are doing in merge or uh, you know at, at reengage that it really is impactful, and then they're getting to experience and be surrounded by people whose lives are being marked by that. Chris, you talked with me a little bit about uh, how you and Rachel have been intentional to go, hey, we wanna expose our kids to people whose lives are also attractive in, in that way. Share a little bit about how you guys have thought about that.
2: Yeah, we, uh, man, some, and again, uh, we both came from good families. The things that I'd say in our, our 20s, we got exposed to some families that just were doing this really well. And I saw kids' lives, and, and my kids meaning everything from, you know, uh, elementary age through high school. And now a lot of those kids are in college and graduated whose faith was real and authentic. And I really do believe it was tied to what they saw, again, the authentic faith that they saw in their parents, how their parents spent their time, who they were connected with and invested in. And uh, that's been huge for us as well. And so as we think about things, we, we go, man, who can we be around who also buys into what we're doing? Who they can look at and go man those those people are awesome i want to be like them i want to be like my parents i want to be you know kind of having those partners in the gospel right um that, that paul talks about uh in philippians going man I thank you for being a partner in the gospel and so our community group is that for us uh man these relationships we built at places we used to work at camp a lot um staff here uh yeah just we want our kids to be around more than just us at some point. Right now, my kids believe anything I say, right? Uh, we just started soccer. My kid believes that wearing a headband is cool because I said so. Um, <laughs> he's the headband kid on the soccer team and he thinks it's awesome. But there's gonna become a time where he doesn't trust my voice anymore. He doesn't listen to it quite as strongly. I, I hope not, but to some degree. And so I want those other people uh, who have that attractive faith. They're like, yes, that's real in their life as well. Yeah,
0: Yeah, parenting is a team sport. It really is. Mm-hmm. And so having those other... Uh, influencers in your kids' lives and being purposeful about that as a dad to go, hey, I want to surround myself or surround my kids with others whose lives are uh, are attractive, and they go, man, I want to be like this guy or this gal. So whether that's in your community group, uh, the the reason that we do small groups in our student ministry, the way that we do is to do exactly what Chris uh, just talked about. So if your kids are in their teen years and are not in a small group, you're you're missing out on an opportunity for them to see others whose faith is making an impact in this world and is attractive. Uh, in that way. Um, man, there's so much more I want to talk about there, but we're going to move on and just kind of talk about authenticity. And so, uh, Mickey, talk a little bit about um, just uh, asking for forgiveness, confession. What does that look like in your home, and, and, uh, and how is that playing out in, in real time?
1: Yeah, absolutely. This has been something where my wife and I have been working to take ground, I mean, really since the kids were born, but especially over the past several years, because what happens is. Um, they do something wrong, as, as kids tend to do, or, or just something uh, that causes anger or emotions to come up in us. And a lot of times we will respond in anger. Um, and it's, it's not giving the aroma of Christ to our kids. And whether or not it's something that needed to be addressed or not, we don't like what that's showing our kids about us and about what's important to us as we respond to them in anger. So that's something that my wife and I have been praying about together uh, and talking about over the last several years. And, and we specifically... Um, As we catch ourselves, just stop and and ask for forgiveness. And uh, and if we don't in the moment, we try to circle back just as soon as possible. Because I mean, our kids know what's important to us. Our our kids are absorbing not what we say is important, but what we're I mean, what we're talking about all morning. But especially in the realm, they're going to see what we give ourselves a free pass on. They're going to see what we don't think is important enough to really deal with. We're going to allow this to just sit here because I mean, everybody gets mad and kids are annoying and well, they need to be disciplined anyway, so I'm just going to pick them up and swat them, or just tell them, go to your room, or no dessert, or, or whatever it is. But if I'm doing that out of anger, they're feeling that anger. They're not thinking, wow, I need to change my behavior, because that's not the proper way to act. They're thinking, my parents get mad, and they give themselves a free pass to lash out at us. So that's something that my wife and I have been holding each other accountable to, and just being really real with each other. And a lot of times we have to get out of that moment. It's not like, you need to work on that, Mickey. And you know, because a lot of times we don't respond as well in the moment, but we make sure at least that evening to circle back and say, what did you think about how that interchange went? You know, likely after the kids went to bed, we sit down and we're talking about the day. And then that's where we decide where we're gonna take ground. So that's been one of the big areas for us. Yeah.
0: And speaking of accountability, Kevin, you've been really proactive uh, with your kids on that, not necessarily, so there are just those moments of the flashes of anger or, hey, that wasn't my best uh, reaction that we need to own in the moment, but there's ways that we can be proactive. How have you, done that specifically with your kids. Share with these guys what you shared with me.
3: Yeah, so uh, one of the best decisions I made as a parent years ago is to every Wednesday morning I block out time with breakfast with one of my kids and so I just rotate them. And So it was during that time, my oldest is 15 now so this is many, many years ago, before he even fully understood lust and lustful thoughts and lust of the eyes. and So I was able to teach him, you know, Job 31.1, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at another woman. And sharing with him, hey, I struggle with this. I need you to partner with me In this, and I think the best thing we can do as dads is, man, be real with your struggles with your kids, and have them partner with you, especially in the area of purity. And even my girl now, who's twelve, at a young, young age, when we're kind of going through this, I'm like, I need you to partner with me. And so when that Victoria's Secret commercial comes on, and so my boy and I would look at each other and say Job three one one, and my my girl who still didn't really understand it all would get the pillow and put it over our face and. (laughs) cover our eyes, but man, they're they're. I need him. And I told him, like, I don't just I ask you these questions. I want you to ask me, Hey, how are you doing with your phone? How are you doing with purity? And, um, so to partner with me in that, where it's not just me, um, always coming down on them, but that's, uh, that's so important It's for us to be real, to own our mess and to ask for forgiveness. They're going to remember those moments probably more than, you know, some of our highlights.
0: And I love what you told me the other day is, you encourage Tanner, hey, I want you to ask me the same questions I'm asking you. Mm. So I'm going to ask you accountability type questions, how you doing with your phone and all that, but you have the freedom to come back and, and ask me as a dad uh, yep. the, the same questions. Tell that story uh, about just recently, if I can, put you on the spot
3: with the, uh, the, game. With the game. Yeah, yeah. yeah so the, I don't know if y'all are familiar with Psych. It's, a, uh, it's an app on your phone. It's a game. You can play with multiple people and you kind of uh, make up your own answers to questions and you get people to believe them. Um, so, you know, in my horse joking type way sometimes we'll put stuff on there that is probably not um, appropriate for everybody. Uh, And so my boy, if we're playing together, he'll see some of that. Um, And so the other day he was playing, we were in a big group playing with our neighbors and he was doing some of that. And, um, and man, afterwards I was, you know, trying to tell him, Hey buddy, like you can't be doing that. There's, there's kids on this game. And and he just kind of called me out. He's like, Dad, you were doing it the other day on this game, too. It's like, you know, you're being a hypocrite. And he's 15, so he loves to point out hypocrisy. And uh, I was like, buddy, you're right. I, I apologize. I was not leading you well. And, man, it was hard to get admonished by your son. Uh, but it was so good. So good.
0: Chris, talk about this. So with little kids at right. home, how do you keep uh, – I have found in my home, one of the things that my wife and I kind of battle against is we, we've kind of taught our kids the script. Mm-hmm. Hey, when you mess up this is what you say and you know ask for forgiveness and, and uh, at times they can kind of treat it like this magic uh, you know abracadabra type thing like okay well I said that so now we're good right how do you keep that confession of sin that authenticity from just becoming this kind of trite thing yep. with kids that just kind of rote words that come out of their mouth
2: uh, yeah man, that's great and I, I don't know if we do it perfectly at all by any stretch of the imagination but you know, we definitely have the conversations again they're little I mean six and five right and so Um, having conversations about hypocrisy with them. They're like, I don't know what you're talking about or whatever else. So we just do it in really small, small ways, right? And so when we mess up, when we, um, you know, When they get in fights with each other, whatever it looks like, disrespectful to mom, things like that. You know, from an early age, we started talking about, and and if you've been around Watermark, you've heard this, saying there's a difference in saying you're sorry and there's a difference in asking for forgiveness. Those are two completely separate things, right? Uh, That was something that I didn't learn until much later in life uh, that really had an impact on me. And so we just start with that right there as kids, you know. And the easy thing, hey, man, why'd you do that to your sister? Oh, I'm sorry. Well, hang on. Let's slow down. You are sorry, but we can talk about that later. Let's talk about forgiveness, You know what that looks like. And so we try to, to make sure it doesn't become just the, the flippant magic bullet, I said the words. Uh, man, just try to, to pause, have the eye contact with them. Again, when they're little, I think that's important. And go, hey, well, wait, let's talk about this. Man, you really messed up. You hurt your sister's feelings. You hurt your mom's feelings, this and that. You need to ask for forgiveness. You need to make that right with them. And so we just try to do it, in ways that are, you know, there's not tons of distractions around, get down in their face, look at them in the eyes, and hopefully kind of slow them down a little bit and let it sink in that way. And hopefully that'll pay dividends as we, as we go.
0: So uh, the, the last point that Mickey made was just the idea of our faith being active. Uh, and I, I was sharing with you guys the other day, I read a blog post that Tim Keller wrote years ago where he just talked about, hey, sometimes the best answer we can give to our kids why is just hey, because we're Christians and helping our kids to understand that some of the ways that we order our lives is just simply because as a follower of Christ, we are uh, aliens and strangers in this world and, and our lives are going to look a little bit different. And so Mickey, I know you uh, and Jessica walked through something just a few years ago where your faith really came to bear on your job, your finances. And, and so talk with these guys about what that looked like and how you guys shepherded your kids through that.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, the long and short of it is, uh, I was uh, on the management team of a company, and uh, some things were being done where you know I was going to have to go to the board with, um, with some new information that they didn't know, and I knew that any whenever I took that step, it was probably going to be you know turning in you know my or resignation essentially. I knew it was not going to end well for me, uh, and we'd been processing this with our community group for months. Um, things were heading this direction for a while, and um, You know, it culminated where I was at the end of one of uh, Todd's sermons, just in the back crying because I knew God had been speaking to me that we've got to take this step. Well, Jessica and I didn't just walk through this in isolation, of course, like I said, we involved our community group, but we'd also included, especially as we got towards the end, our kids because we sit around, we have dinner every night at the table and they heard Jessica and I talking about everything that was going on, so we made sure to let them know a little bit of what's going on. Hey, here's the struggle. We're having to speak truth to power, and there's gonna be consequences. And and as we got closer and closer to that point where I actually had to call a board member and, and, and explain what was going on, you know, we had we were sitting there praying with our kids that we don't know necessarily, you know, we're a single-income family. We don't know necessarily where our income's coming from this summer, and we're going to have to pull back on the budget, and we're going to have to trust God that we know what's right. We just don't know what's going to come next. And so we're going to take these steps of faith, and we're going to walk through this together. So if we end up having to change where you go to school or the house that we live in, it's because we're making this tough decision, but we know the right decision because God never leaves us hanging. Jesus says this is a faithful way because of this, this, and this, and therefore we can trust this plan. And we take it back to Romans eight twenty-eight or just different things like that. We knew it was going to work out for his glory, uh, but that was a tangible way that they, they got it. At, at the level of a kid, they got it, and still that's kind of a, a family story that we refer back to that they'll bring up or, or that gets brought up from time to time. We can tell it made an impact on them.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a, those stones of remembrance that the Israelites set up in the desert. Go, hey, remember what God did here? I mean, that, that story is that for your family, right?
1: It is, and I will say, too, I ended up working uh, at home, basically locked out of the office and, uh, and, and there were other partners involved, but I worked at home all summer. So eating supper every night with four sets of eyes looking at me, not knowing where food was going to come from around the corner. And then I did lose my job that summer and we had to walk through that. So what we knew was going to happen did happen. Uh, but it it turned out to be a great experience.
0: That's good. Chris, you talked about just some of the language that you and Rachel use uh, in helping your kids kind of make sense of maybe some of the things that they're seeing that are different than the way that you guys have ordered your life. So tell these guys what you guys have done with little kids and that.
2: Again, small kids, right? And so it's about, man, just putting hopefully little pieces of truth in front of them over and over and over again. And so we started pretty early on. I mean, uh, bedtime, you know, we'd ask them a set of questions, you know, the number one question was, hey, who loves you the most, right? And the natural reaction is mom and dad went, no, no, God loves you the most. I love you the second most, right? And so we just, these little, I mean, kind of, again, kind of silly throwaway, but you do it repeatedly, it starts to sink in, they're like, okay, I, I know that God loves me, right? And as we get a little farther, you know, the, the question I, I try to go back to my kids, hey, what two things do we know about God? Well, he's good and he's in control. Okay, awesome, and that's as silly as it's lightning and thundering outside, my little boy's scared. Well, what do we know? We know God's good, we know God's in control. And so that's how we're trying to make our faith active with little ones, is just by going, I mean, these small, or I say small, but really they're the foundation for hopefully everything that's going to grow from here. What do you believe about God? Man, He loves me. He's good. He's in control, right? Those are those things that we just kind of keep coming back to so that, you know, and whatever happens in life, whatever big, massive things, okay, wait, let's make sure we remember what we learned when we were, you know, we always know this to be true. So now we just get to see it play out. And and hopefully that prepares us for those times.
0: And then, uh, specifically, then, Taking that kind of that really core truth for your kids, when you see others who are right. not living yeah. according to that, how are you using that to kind of reinforce that with the kids?
2: Yeah, and so we, uh, you know, we see. I mean, obviously, we're living, uh, we're, we're we're living in the same world you guys are living in, um, and we are, you know, uh, seeing the junk in front of our eyes. We try to, you know, protect as best as we can, but it's just there. And so a lot of the things that we, we talk about with our kids is when they see something or they see somebody do things or, you know, we would consider, you know, not right, we go, hey, man, they, they just don't really trust that God loves them. That's, that's probably the foundation of whatever their actions are. They've forgotten how much God loves them and how much they don't need to do those things to try to get attention or to get love from other people. They've kind of forgotten that. And so that's usually, you know, it's not as much about, um, you know man they're wrong and this it's hey they 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 don't know we need to make sure we're always sharing with them hey why do we why do we not act that way man because you know your your god loves you your mom and dad love you and so you don't need those extra things and so that's it's kind of what we do um you know rachel even when young and seeing the victoria's secret seeing the stuff on tv you know she'd be like hey and we need to give her privacy because so we don't look at her because there's something going on there where she doesn't you know She doesn't believe she's beautiful on the inside, right? And she needs this attention from it. And so she even just said small things early on with my boy and my girl. Of When we see, you know, people who don't dress appropriately and, you know, my son's five. He's not struggling with massive lust yet. But just go ahead and say, no, we don't look at that because we want her to, you know, we want her to know that she's loved and respected. And so we don't need to see those things. We don't need to act in a certain way.
0: Dads, at, I would write that down and uh, add that to your vocabulary because, uh, I mean, it's so uh, helpful for young dads, even, uh, so just, gosh, just yesterday, you know, my daughter, uh, my oldest daughter, who's a freshman in high school, uh, you know, had a, a deal with a friend who told her, hey, I'm going to ask a girl uh, to go with me to homecoming, another girl. And, uh, and so my daughter's like, uh, you know, made some comment, just like, are you serious? Thought maybe she was joking. She wasn't joking. Uh, and it created this tension in her. And so she was just full of these, like, why would she choose to do that? Why, why would she? And so just to even have that, hey, I think she, she just doesn't know what you know, Selah. She doesn't know that God loves her, that, that his ways are perfect and good and right. And so you're just coming back to that for 18 years of your child's life, reminding them uh, of these things. And so, man, those are just ways that we can model our faith. So I wanna give you guys a chance, first of all, thank these guys uh, with me for, um, yeah. Yeah. I want to give you a chance at your tables just to spend some time talking through this. And so you, your table leaders uh, have a, just a set of questions to go through. Uh, but let me just encourage you, man. This is so important. And this is stuff, whether you are, I know we have some expecting dads in the room. We're like, well, I can't confess my sin to my you know, unborn baby. You're right. You can't. Uh, you can't ask for forgiveness. But these are uh, patterns that you want to develop in your heart right now and in your life that are going to bear fruit whether your kids are in the womb or whether they 're uh, even uh, you know gone and, and uh, you 're an empty nester now. these are things that you can begin to implement and so get around the tables if you don 't have a table leader that has one of these lanyards on, uh, find somebody there and uh, and let 's just jump in and talk for a few minutes and then i 'll come back up here and wrap us up with some application points from there. Thanks guys all right, guys. I can have your attention just to be good with our time this morning, and uh, we'll break here right at 8 o'clock just to uh, get you guys uh, out, but um, I wanted to uh, just kind of circle back and give you some calls to action. Every time we gather here for Dad, you, we, we want to put something in your hands or encourage you to take some step of obedience and faithfulness, and so we want to give you a few ideas uh, in that area as you leave today. You'll get an email from me later today with some of the stuff uh, attached to it and, uh, and just reminders of what we talked about this morning. Uh, you know, we titled this particular session, Tackling Your Greatest Parenting Challenge, because the reality is the, the most difficult person that I have to lead in my family is myself. Uh, it's true for all of us. And, uh, and so, and here's the, the good news is that uh, I am the person that I have the most control over leading in my house. And so what I do, what I choose to do, how I choose to dis- discipline myself for godliness and, and uh, disciple myself in the way that I uh, abide with Christ as Mickey encouraged us in, uh, that, that's up to me. And so these are steps that we can begin to take, again, whether our kids are not yet born or whether we are uh, launching them off into adulthood, uh, we have an opportunity to continue to march towards faithfulness. So a few resources that we wanted to point you to uh, on that. One is at your table, and this is actually something we're going to keep coming back to all fall is this family discipleship plan. And so this is just an opportunity for you to be thoughtful and purposeful in the way that, uh, that you think about, hey, what, do, what is it that we want for our family? What do we want to be about? What do we want to hold high Uh, value of within the walls of our home and in in our relationships with one another. And so there's a copy for you. There should be one at your table. If not, uh, find one here before you leave. I'll also send you a PDF so you can print out your own if you want. But this is just uh, for you this month, just to go, hey, we're going to come up with a family vision statement. What is it uh, that we want our family to value? What does it mean to be a part of our family? What specifically do we want our family to focus on? And by the way, this is a working document. It's going to be seasonal. It's going to be something that you're going to to do this year. And then next year, maybe you're going to go, Hey, let's come back to that. And let's, let's talk a little bit more about this, depending on the age of your kids and what's going on. And then on the back, there is just a chart for you to go. Okay. And then what are some goals that we might have specifically for this month in the area of modeling? What are some of those areas of my own walk of faith that I want to sharpen, that I want to talk with my spouse about or, or encourage my kids like Kevin did with his kids? Hey, will you hold me accountable in these areas? What are some of those things that you want to do and be purposeful about? And so I would encourage you to begin to fill this out, talk about it with your spouse, and then talk about it with your community. Go, hey, guys, here are some of the things that I'm wanting to do as a dad this year. Will you hold me accountable uh, to this? So that's something, again, we're going to keep coming back to this fall as we walk through that. Uh, One of the other things we've done in here before, but wanted to kind of pull back out uh, for the sake of this is a family survey. And so it didn't print off copies for you, but you'll have this PDF in your inbox soon. This is something that Todd has done with his kids for many years. and He always refers to it just questions that he kind of sets in front of his kids. So if your kids are old enough to be able to, to write and read and all that, you can just print this off and, and give it to them. For maybe younger kids who are just now kind of talking, you could just kind of walk through it verbally. But it's questions like, hey, what are some of the best memories with me this past year? Uh, if you had to give me some advice on how to be a better parent, what would it be and why? So just some questions that you can. I gave this to my kids at the beginning of the summer and walked through it, and it was both encouraging, humbly, uh, humbling, uh, confusing, all those things uh, for me. But but it's so helpful for going, okay, this is the model that my kids see. They're seeing things that we, we forget and, and don't see. And so uh, anyway, take advantage of that. And th- sometime this month, if your kids are old enough to do that, Hand that to them if your kids are little. Maybe it's just something you want to walk through with your spouse. It might help you to kind of think through your family vision and go, okay, hey, if our kids are going to answer this question in five years, how do we want them to answer it? And what are we going to do so that they answer... In that way, so it's just a great tool for you. Uh, and then the last thing I just want to uh, kind of set before you is uh, that one of the the steps that maybe some of you need to take is this thing called believer's baptism. Uh, it's something that our elders have have just recently just said, hey, this is something that we want to make sure our members are taking steps towards. And so many of us in this room, I'm assuming, have already taken that step of obedience. Maybe uh, when you were younger, or in college, or or uh, maybe just recently for some of you. But if you as a dad have never taken that step of obedience into believer's baptism, let me encourage you that sometime... Uh, this fall that you would go, hey, let's make that a point and, and uh, an emphasis in our family. So my buddy, Carl Long, if you're here on Saturday, Carl is uh, getting baptized on Saturday afternoon uh, and uh, is just taking that step. Carl was baptized as an infant and, uh, and had that as his family tradition, but says, hey, man, I want to make a declaration as a follower of Christ and, and to do this. And so he's got two boys that they're going to watch their daddy make that step and it's gonna encourage them, I promise. And so that's just a simple way that you can take a step of obedience if you've never done that, uh, to model your faith for your kids. So let me encourage you to do that. couple of other things just as we wrap up. Uh, first of all, next month we'll be back. Uh, so October 15th is our next You Beau Fournette will be here. We're going to talk about what does it mean to train our kids in truth. And so you're not going to want to miss that. And the back table there, there are a ton of these. And so I want to encourage you to grab a stack of these, take them to work with you. We, we don't want to waste money. We want these things to be put to good use. But put them on your desk at work, put them in your car, hand them out to dads at the soccer field or whatever. Encourage men to come and be a part of this. All the dates for the fall and spring are on that. And then if I can also encourage you, make a way for your wives to be here for the nest. So the nest is actually this Friday uh, and our children's ministry is all full up. We don't have any more spaces. And so some of your wives are angry with us because we don't have more space to take your kids. But hey, you might be the hero. And if you have the flexibility to say, "Hey, I can watch the kids for a few hours Friday morning. So you can go to that and Make that happen, but encourage your wives to come and be encouraged uh, through the Nest and that ministry that's happening uh, this week. So grab a stack of those and take them with you. Uh, And then finally, if you would like to join the the Dad U Frontlines team, we would love to have you. We're looking for guys who love early mornings, who wanna get here at 5.30 in the morning, like my buddy Brandon Dinwiddie and Jason Cerrone did this morning, among others, uh, who can help us set up the room, greet guys as they come in. And so if you're interested in serving with us in that way, you can email us at dadu.com. At watermark.org and uh, and let us know that. So we are so thankful, guys, that you've made time for us. I'm uh, a few minutes over my time, so let me pray for you and then uh, dismiss you, okay? So Father, thank you that you are a perfect example, a perfect Father, and the one that we can follow. And Lord, I pray that you would um, remind us, God, that uh, you love us in spite of all of our imperfections and our shortcomings and our failings. God, none of us walk into this room able to make 100% on the exam of uh, whether we are a good model for our kids or not. And that's okay because your grace covers our sins. And so, Lord, I pray that in the midst of that, we would uh, not make excuses or not say, well, good, God's grace covers that, and so I don't have to worry about it. But, Lord, that we would be men who are to show ourselves approved, and so, Lord, I pray that you would uh, help us to uh, take steps to um, grow in our faith in a way that would be a blessing to our children and to our, our family, to our wives. And uh, and so, Lord, thanks for these men, for their willingness to get up early, to talk about these things. And, Lord, wherever we find ourselves this morning, we pray that you would um, just encourage our hearts. So be with us now as we go into our day. Help us to be about your business, Lord, to live to hear the well done, good and faithful servant of our perfect father. And we pray all this in Christ's name, amen. Thanks guys, have a great rest of your week.